0: This episode brought to you by Absolute Nature CBD for the finest and all natural, all organic CBD oil and CBD oil products. Go to www.absolutenaturecbd.com. Use the promo code Goon Squad and save twenty percent. Compliments of the Sunshine Boys. All right, Merry Christmas, everybody! Happy New Year! Happy Holiday Kwanzaa! Hanukkah Ramadan all that stuff because guess what there's tough guys in every religion we are uh, very excited to be releasing this next episode but before we get into that um, let me just share with you guys a episode of road rage Christmas edition (laughs) Me and my family were... Uh, this is John Moses, by the way. Uh, Tyler Morrison is up in Canada with his family. The reason why this episode is late is because we were running around on Christmas Eve doing some last-minute Christmas shopping like the rad dads that we are, and which meant that we couldn't do the last-minute editing that we normally do in that window to release these things on a Tuesday. So anyway, um, <laughs> but back to the story. So it is what was it monday i guess yeah monday and we were going to see the to see rock center the tree at rockefeller center me and my family uh, actually had just recorded an episode of fight stories with mike tyson's bodyguard so that is coming up next week it is uh, intense so my family came in from jersey they went off on their own and you know got dinner and dessert and then i met up with them after and we were, the plan was to go see the tree at rock center which we did so we're driving from uh union union market union square to midtown and we're going up park and you know it's starting to get wild up there as traffic does and i'm making a left from park onto 53rd and at this point it's like starting to thicken up right before my eyes um I've been sitting at this same corner sort of next through two sets of lights waiting for, you know, to make this left so I can actually make a U and shoot down the street because 53rd is uh, is jacked up. The, you know, Rockefeller Center is like 49th between 5th and 6th, so we're in proximity for those of you who don't know. It's getting bananas. Cops are, you know, shutting down streets. Um, so I'm waiting there to make this left and, you know couple of cars like sort of sneak in and do that, you know, that sneaky thing where they go right up against the bumper and don't let you in. So the last guy, you know, clearly could have, should have let me in. Clearly, clearly it's Christmas for Christ's sakes. So he doesn't, he gets right up against the bumper. I start blasting on the horn. He doesn't acknowledge, you know, that I'm there at all. He doesn't look over. He just keeps looking straight ahead. So I roll down my window stick my head out the driver's side window, hawk across my hood, and hit him in the windshield with just a big loogie. And when I do that, there's a black woman and her son right on the corner, and they're like, oh, Jesus. And I looked at them and said, Merry Christmas. And they were like, oh, Merry Christmas. And we started laughing. So this guy pushes through the intersection and immediately gets T-boned. We explode into laughter. Me, my wife, there's one in the corner. She sticks her head in the window and starts screaming, God, don't like ugly. Oh, man, we were laughing. Tears of joy flowing, floweth from my eyes. As I make the left around this guy who weaseled ahead of me, who's now, you know, in a wreck trying to exchange information, I'm hanging out the window of my car. I'm hanging out the window of my car, and I say, it's your fault. You deserve this, buddy. Santa hat, reindeer antlers on the car, Rudolph the red Nose, reindeer red nose on the grill of this Honda CRV. So, uh... That was a holiday special from the boys over at Fight Stories. Great episode lined up for you guys. We've got an Australian, Bob Rigby. So for our Australian listeners, crack open a Foster's Lager, ring in the new year with style. Rigby is an old school. Tyler knows Rigby because he's the father of some of the boys that he grew up with. Uh, And those guys. That sons of bitches, but uh, the deal with Rigby is he used to be a boxer. Now any boxer or anybody with any trained anything wrestler, Chuck Norris karate forty years ago had such an advantage over anybody, you know, or at least most people because nobody knew how to do shit, you know. Now every fucking dinky out of college has six months of has six months of MMA, hoping to run into the guy who. Who said something to offend him back in the ninth grade, but back then you were a lethal weapon So this is a great is a great episode. Also, he's Australian. You can just listen to guys with accents, right? Um, People love accents. You think we would know who Jim Jeffries is if this guy had a normal mouth? No, he'd be He'd be running around in obscurity like me All right, uh, lastly the winner of the three-pack of the CBD Fight Stories Christmas giveaway is none other than my good buddy, comedian Chris Clark. The fix is in, boys. And the reason why he is the winner is because he's the only fucking guy to retweet anything. He blasted out a bunch of episodes. And, uh, yeah, you know? So uh, the rest of you guys, you know nothing but cool. Still love you, though. Still love you. Share, subscribe, comment, retweet, do all that shit. We need you, boys. The Fight Stories boys, the Sunshine boys need a little love. All right, here's the episode with Bob Rigby. And next week, we've got Tyson's bodyguard in the chamber, locked and loaded cranking it out on Tuesday right before the new year. We are closing this thing out with a bang. We got a couple of uh, real wild cards for you boys. So uh that's it. Enjoy
1: Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of Fight Stories. This is Tyler Morrison. I'm sitting here in Nobleton, Ontario with one of my favorite people. I can't believe that we actually uh, were able to pull this together. I'm sitting here with Mr. Bob Rigby. He's a good friend of the family and uh, I'm very good friends with his uh, with his two sons. And uh, we've known each other for a long time. Gr- Bob, thanks so much for uh, being part of this. It's great to have you here.
2: My pleasure, Tyler. My oh pleasure, my man. Oh, my God.
1: And Bob came all the way down from... Uh, where Where are you located now? You're I live
2: north of Massey, Ontario right Massey, now.
1: Massey, Ontario. So you're deep in the bush. You're deep up in the woods. I'm
2: living my life, man. This, this is my great. Life.
1: So we got Grizzly Adams just coming in... <laughs>
2: Yeah, more or less.
0: More or
1: less. We found Bigfoot. I was telling uh, Bob's son Clint, who actually he's been uh, on the podcast before on one of our Patreon only uh, episodes, and uh, but Clint was uh, telling me some funny stories about you, and uh, I just I knew that I had to have you on because we've hung out and you know we've had some beers. You used to coach me in hockey. There you go. And uh, you always told the the some of the funniest stories. So I was like, we got to get Bob on. But when uh, Clint was telling me uh, where you were living, I'm like, I'll go all the way up there to get this guy. on on the show because I just remember, you know, you always telling us good stories and, you know, always having a good time with us, so.
2: Yeah, having good stories, yeah, lots of good stories Tyler. yes, and you want to talk about fights, I guess, eh? That's the let's, main... Let's start from the beginning then, eh? <laughs> Alright. <laughs> let's, let's start about from where I grew up. Okay. I, I, I come from a small town in, called Darwin, Lancashire, Northern England, Okay. and uh, that's most of my fondest memories of fighting anyway <laughs> uh, come from because i think when i was going to school i went to a convent school and uh i guess convent school kids roman catholics a lot of protestant protestant schools around there back in the day and i guess it was always fist fights every night after school to see who's like best fighter in the area yeah so i knew then i was destined to get into the fighting game i guess <laughs> then dad packed us all up and took us to australia on the 10 quid $20 gig took us all to Australia in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and this back in uh, 1964 and we lived in an area called Villawood and that's where I started getting into the fight game actually I, met, I got into soccer actually I was playing soccer and the skip said to me you don't take any shit from anybody do you Bob? I said no not really he said have you ever put the gloves on? I said no I've never put gloves on ever he said why don't you come out Friday night and put some gloves on? Yeah, I was just just turned 16, I guess, and uh, put the gloves on. And I was finished up. I was fighting and fighting and fighting, and I wanted to be. But the boxing game was so bad in those days. It was like, if you didn't have a sponsor, you were finished.
1: So you're fighting with gloves on uh, at what age, sorry? Like... 15 16. 15, 16. but before that you're street you're fighting street on the street. Fight, street fight. And
2: and who's the first fight that you remember like vividly? Oh like vividly. A- this big farm guy, he was massive. And he went to Saint Cuthbert's school, Protestant school. And this guy had been telling everybody he wanted to fight me for years and years. <laughs> and we finally met. And I can remember there must have been ten teachers around this fight. Like the teachers are watching. The teachers are right this there. This is a big build the, up. This is outside <laughs> Saint Edward's Catholic School in the middle of, and by the way i want to tell you about the school this only school i knew that had uh, walls around it and iron gates but there was glass <laughs> concreted into the walls so you couldn't play a truant. so you get out of there right so you, you picture the scene yeah it's so like a, a prison a, for kids we're having a big scrap in the schoolyard and there's all these teachers all around nobody wants to get involved in the breakup right
1: that always feels good eh? Uh, when you're out when you're against a big guy
2: but yeah <laughs> but i won you see and now, because I was just a scrawny, skinny kid, but I knocked this giant down, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I, I can remember his face. But after that, I became the cock of the school. That's exactly what they called me. Don't ever go near this guy. I think I hit him with a lucky shot, I'll be honest with you. He went and yeah. down like a bag of shit. But anyway, <laughs> that's, the sto- that's the story on that fight game. And every time I went to a new school, because my dad was in textiles, we moved around like gypsies every time I went to a new school, you know there's gonna be a fight. Mm-hmm. Always gonna be, somebody wants to pick on you, right? So you get tougher and tougher and tougher, I guess, as you get older. So, that's the story, until I got into the fight game in Australia. And the fight game led into meeting a lot of, I met a lot of famous people in the boxing game in Australia. Johnny Famichon comes to mind. He became, I believe, world champion middleweight in 1967. I met Fartner a Fight Narada in a fight on an exhibition game fight that I fought that night. He, he was star billing. So I had some close encounters with famous boxers, mm-hmm. and I did when I came back to the UK and joined uh, Jimmy Nelson Sports Club, and actually started under Jimmy Britner, his father, Dave Britner, and Pat McCarroll, who was a champion boxer from Scotland. He became my seconds, and they taught me everything I knew about the fight game. The only difference is what they didn't tell me is how hard it was to make money in the fight game. <laughs> but I was working, and I used to work six to two, two to ten, depending on what shift on. But I'd fight every weekend. I'd fight anybody, any time, any place for any amount of money. Didn't matter. And I'm talking when I say any amount of money, anywhere from five pounds—that's ten dollars—to twenty pounds, which is forty dollars. <laughs> that's a fight night. <laughs> but I had to pay my own transportation to get there. So yeah. oh, it was yeah. pretty cool.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So. So you start out in Australia and you're working your way up, and then so what makes you move back to England? What's
2: I, the? I I got married. Yep. And uh, and then the marriage didn't work out. Okay. She went back to Australia, and my lost my son went back with her to Australia. So it left me, and that's when I joined Jimmy Nelson Sports Club. Okay. And in that same two months, I met a champion boxer who joined the club. His name was Jimmy Britner, and we became loyal friends, and still are to this day, and Jimmy's mm-hmm. still alive. And uh, we, we became, in our area, like the legends of building up the boxing club, and Burnley, okay. D, Nelson, or even as far as Manchester, and we got back getting in the fight game there, in the era of John Conte, Joe Bugner, big fighters, you meet them all, and you always wanna be Muhammad Ali at the peak of his game, Everybody, uh, I can name you fighter after fighter after fighter that I came across who you want to be. But the only thing is you've got to have a sponsor, a good sponsor, and you're in the fight game. And I could just could never find that sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's a whole other, like, side. Of, it's a whole other animal in the business, and it is a dirty business at times. Like, it's, na- it's you know,
2: it's it can you, be that. It can be, and I, I, I'm not going to mention any names for obvious reasons, because yep. I still run a lot of the boxing game to this day, but... I've been asked to fix fights, fight and fix fights. When you were fighting? When I was fighting.
1: People were asking you to take dives. Take dives. Or yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, It's and anybody who's been in the fight game on the low end of the, the of Pole. Yeah. They know that. And uh and yeah, I've been asked would you you know, go down in this fight or and I never would. And I became unpopular yep. with the promoters out of Manchester. And I became so unpopular that it was hard for me to get fights. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I kinda that part of it, I didn't like. Yeah, but you know,
1: well, it drain on you because you train so hard, and then it's like, what's it for, right? You're in it for the competitiveness and the glory, and you know, like you, you want to test yourself, right?
2: Absolutely, and then. that's what it's
1: all about—is yeah. the test, and and can you beat this guy? And then when you know, there's outside entities getting involved and and dictating the course of that. I would, I think it would be disheartening. You well, know, so how do you
2: put so much time into a camp and then, you know, for a big fight? Well, exactly, you know, the discipline factor of who you are and what you are and if you're going to be if you've got a, a a good paid fight and I had a couple of good paid fights in Manchester, Bellevue and I can remember uh, training for these fights with Pat and, and, and Dave Britner and they put you through drills like man like forget about just uh, uh, exhibition fights and warm up fights leading up, I'm talking about the physical track and field training and weights and running and running backwards and putting weights on your feet mm-hmm. and the agility and the skipping and going places at night after your 10 o'clock at night to fight people you don't even know just to prepare yourself for these upcoming fights so yeah
1: and so outside of the ring are you running into scrapes all the time just because of the era like it was a pretty tough era to come up in where people were a little bit more uh i had a
2: lot of respect in the town that i grew up in in fact yeah. uh you know when you see it you know it's kind of nice to see a picture uh, in, a, in a in a bus shelter, yes. fight night, and you're stood next to somebody and you're going, Hey, Mom, that's him. That's it. <laughs> so that kind of glamour. Yeah, I, but I had a lot of respect. Small town, growing up small town, and then it spreads. And all these areas, when I tell you about boxing clubs, these are all tough lads. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking Irish lads, Scottish lads, Northern England boys who mm-hmm. are willing to scrap and fighting in Liverpool, they're lined up like soldiers. Fighting in Manchester, they're lined up like soldiers. These guys all want to get in the fight game. And, you know, it It doesn't matter. It is, but there's a discipline and a respect factor every in, one in of the these, fight game. Every one of these
1: guys, the toughest guy in their neighborhood, and they're all coming in to be the, Absolutely. the biggest it, on
2: the block and uh, on the big scene, so. Well, everybody wants to crack the nut and get into, the, and as I said, the boxing game was is now coming into, you know, like, I can go back to boxing, seeing some of the best fighting fought for peanuts. And promoters like uh, Cassius Clay Mohammed Muhammad Ali, actually come into the game started an Oscar dollar higher and and, and lots of promoters and fighters that actually made the game exciting Mm -hmm. and once the excitement started boxing and and its popularity became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger yeah and it's unfortunate that was coming to the tail end of my prime (coughs) when all this this all started it started
1: becoming uh, you know pay-per-view all that stuff starts coming in and that's on the tail end yeah well
2: even even in Canada Mm -hmm. Um, many many years ago we don't even have it anymore and it's a shame really because we used to have fight night every Friday night channel 79 right here in Canada and and, uh, great 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 fighters a lot of good Mm -hmm. local lads all doing well I knew a lot of lads in town Um, uh, Nicky Filano Sean O'Sullivan um, uh, DeWitt from Edmonton I met all these guys and all good fighters all nice lads but again, just didn't have that main ingredient. And I, as I said, I told you about earlier, uh, Tyler, when we were talking about Billy the Kid Irwin, a local lad from the Oakville area, yep. and he was a great fighter. Probably one of the best fighters I'd ever seen in my life come out of Ontario. And in nobody knew a lot about him, but in the United States they certainly knew who he was mm-hmm. because some of his fights, and I watched some great fights, and. And he, could, this guy could take a beating, and he could come back and win in Philadelphia, Chicago, some of the big gymnasiums. And he was coming in and and then I, I got told that I said, "How, how's this guy getting ahead?" And then I told him, I, in fact, and confirmed by uh, Don Cherry. Yep. Uh, Don Cherry with that Billy the Kid when was Don Cherry's boy. The hockey. Hockey legend, legend yep. of course, Don. And I spent. I was talking about boxing with Don Cherry.
1: For our American listeners, Don Cherry was the coach of the Boston Bruins, and then in Canada, he's a hockey god, basically. And a so. super guy. Yeah, absolutely. And a, and absolutely. a super personal
2: guy, and uh, I did it, spent an afternoon with Don, and and I picked his brain about boxing, and he, I was fascinated by what he knew. No, Never mind a hockey man. This guy knows my, more about the fight game than I do. <laughs> so it was good to have a conversation with a guy who I respected anyway mm-hmm. in the hockey to talk about the fight game, you know. Yeah,
1: so, and he's involved a little bit on the uh, on the other side of it too, yeah, right? Too, yeah, so that's exactly. Very cool.
2: Yeah, to, he, he wasn't liberal in talking about what his involvement was, but he yes. didn't deny it because I guess any fighter when you when you run into somebody who perhaps was financing him to a certain degree or helping with his training whatever mm-hmm. it's nice to find that because as I said there'd be a lot more fighters today yes. good fighters out of Canada if they had the right sponsorship mm-hmm. but you don't see fighters getting big sponsorships you see it in hockey you see it in ice skating you see it in well sometimes now it's Olympics and Olympics and so on but the fight game is a low profile here in Canada yeah
1: and there's a little bit of uh, like again there's a stigma that comes attached to it that's happened over the yeah, years yeah yeah or, yeah you yeah. know yeah, but mm-hmm. I'd like
2: to see uh, some guys that get into uh, a training program, a really good training program, and have a gymnasium that's geared for Olympic or well, amateur boxing the, for sure.
1: The thing is, too, like I think fighting is such a like it is the most primitive thing in terms of getting young guys who could maybe be going the other direction, maybe end up in jail on the street, you know, on the streets, into a competitive, challenging environment where they channel their energy into something positive. And I think gyms saved a lot of guys.
2: Oh, and absolutely! I don't think
1: they get the credit in this country or you know anywhere really for what they have done for, for youth and the youth programs that, that do come from that. And I think it's- You're
2: absolutely right. Uh, if, if there was a young guy, if you were a boxer today and you're living in Canada and you've got some talent and you, and you don't know where to turn, and I can tell you right now, if you go down to the gyms in south of, across the border, Get into Philly, where you're just talking about, uh, yeah, you're going to meet some wild guys there, but they're all there for a purpose, and hopefully you're there for the same person, so you make friends with them, regardless of color or race or creed, it doesn't really matter. These guys are still want to be a fighter, so they go and work hard in the gym yeah. where they want to be, but if you want to get to that level, and you think you're good enough to get to that level, go south of the border and try it out, mm-hmm. and then you know what you're made of, and you know what you're up against. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. This, sure. I mean,
1: that's like, yeah, that's where people are going. I mean, the legendary Cronk Gym in Detroit was where it was happening. Like, Absolutely. I mean, there's gyms like that that are they're
2: still around. There's some, honestly, don't, don't, I know this had a lot of bad press in, 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 in years, boxers and boxes this and boxes that. But if you look at some of the gymnasiums that are available to and, and training that's available to these athletes today, it's phenomenal. So mm-hmm.
0: All right, you little... Billy Badasses, this episode of Fight Stories is brought to you by Absolute Nature CBD. Listen, you know the deal, they're the best. Plug in the Goon Squad promo code to save 20% at checkout, like you've been doing. However, I am announcing the Fight Stories Christmas giveaway. The Sunshine Boys and the good people over at Absolute Nature CBD are giving away some CBD oil and CBD oil products over the course of the holidays. And this is what you got to do to enter to win. All you have to do is retweet or share on Facebook an episode of Fight Stories. Tag Absolute Nature CBD. Tag me and Tyler, the Sunshine Boys. And tag Fight Stories. And then put in, this is probably the most important part, hashtag Fight Stories Christmas giveaway, and you can win one of their products that will enter you in a chance to win either the oil, the salve, or the soft gels. The person who shares the most between now and December 24th will get all three. We'll get the Absolute Nature CBD Super Pack. It's got to be like a $250 value, something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's 200 Listen, it's free and it's great. Can't get no better than that. I'm mm-hmm. I'm
2: going back. I'm talking '60s, '70s when it was rough. I mean, it was. I mean, guys fought dirty back in there. The weights of gloves didn't really matter. It just I'm going to knock your head off. You know that type of thing. Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah. And so, so you, so you do. You you run your career, but uh, while this is going on, you're mostly you're mostly honed into boxing. That's what's happening, right? You're like that's your main focus. You're not. Uh, you partying a bit or you, are you mostly like dialed right into it?
2: Oh, listen, so easy, so easy, so easy to fall into the party aspect because you meet people, mm-hmm. you get invited to places. They want to be around you. You want to be around you. But the thing is you've got to keep, uh, for the bet. honestly, I, I think I can, because Jimmy was a big influence on me because he, he reached the ranks of champion and I was hanging with a champion, so... He kind of told me the ropes. You've got to be, uh, you've got to be a, a gentle, a gentleman in, in every aspect on where you go. So yeah, I'm going to drink. I think uh, Dave Brittner and my trainer Pat. If I ever drank more than two beers, they were on me. Yeah. So in. So you're it, you're pretty harnessed in, in that when you're in that. Well, it's like that, anything. That you know, you you hear the word form. It's like uh, when you reach your uh, the the fitness level that you can go no further. Where you can go. Uh, 10 rounds three minute rounds and you find a good fighter and bounce around and still not You know not searching for a second wind mm-hmm. you reach your peak of your form and when you reach that form You can maintain that form for three months perhaps if you're lucky. But yeah. you got to work at it So you try and get as many fights in as you when you're at your peak exactly As when you fall coming down and You do reach that peak because the training aspect, of course you're going to be better peak in summertime than you are in wintertime because it's all gym training, right? Yes. Where in summertime, we used to spar outside. Mm-hmm. We used to have a... Jimmy Nelson's used to have an outdoor rink, uh Outdoor ring, I'm sorry. And uh, we used to just uh, fight in outdoors. And mm-hmm. anybody could come on a Saturday morning and watch. So. Oh,
1: that's cool. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So when you're boxing, what's what's the most memorable fight that you had? Like- the most
2: memorable fight I ever had, truthfully? I... I was boxing, I was at my peak in my prime and I was going down. There's two stories. This one i want to share with you first because <laughs> it stands in my mind. I can't forget it. I used to work in textiles. That's my job. I worked as a weaver and I worked on shift work and I met a lot of great people when I worked there and there was one guy, he's a little bit slow and he was a real nice kid and used to make my tea for me at my break. And he loved me as a boxer and he was an idol really. Anyway, I went down to a fairground one night, just come out of the pub. I had a couple of pints with my buddies going through the fairground and they had these rings where you get up and fight. And if you knock this guy out, you win for a few bucks. <laughs> so this young kid who was working at my place with T-Boy, we called him. He got in the ring and this guy just literally beat the shit out of me. <laughs> really hurt him bad, right? Oh, fuck. So I said, no, that's not gonna happen. I said, I'll fight you. And the guy stopped. that. I think if I ever recall him, he had one eye missing, three teeth, one ear missing. He just looked like a... Typical Kearney. A Kearney roundy <laughs> man that had fought everybody in the world, and he looks like he's going to take a... Anyway, I got into the ring, and I just played around and played around him, He swinging, and he couldn't hit me. And I just remember, I just kept hitting him, and, it, it was, and there was a massive crowd around just screaming <laughs> and cheering. And I just beat this guy to Pope, this old Kearney, and I just watched him go down, and I went... How does it feel give me my money and the manager stood there i can see him now with his top hat on going here please leave uh, so that and then i got a gig i call it a gig it was a gig it was a last minute fight in morcom winter gardens that's a good hour and a half train ride for me after work and i had to fight this guy who i knew so I wasn't worried about it. Like it wasn't something I had to prep for, because I'd beaten this guy before. Yeah, it was just a show fight. I'm going on the train after work. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet this guy. And I'm gonna start, probably have a beer with him after. But it was part of the fight game, and I got called, and so I went. But when I got there, he was a no-show. So you had this guy from Kenya, this black guy who had badges and. Championships and belts, and they're all go over on the stage, and they go, "Bob, you're fighting him tonight." And I go, "How much for it?" <laughs> well, it's gonna—they're gonna empty the purse up, Bob. They're gonna put the purse up. I said, "Well, I hope so." And I'm gonna, "This guy's gonna beat the shit out of me." All <laughs> well, I remember, he had—he had a silk, a blue silk with white trim um, gown on. He had his sponsorship on the back and he had these blue boots, blue silk shorts. He's earned some shit. And I'm here in a pair of black leather boots, no socks, just like um, Mike Tyson, no socks. (laughs) And I got my black shorts and I've got no robe. (laughs) I'm just your regular guy from the gym coming for a fight. So they do the announcements for this guy, right? And he's champion of this and champion of that. And in this corner, from Preston, Lancashire, Bob Rigby.
1: <laughs> You're like the fucking uh, jobber in wrestling that's <laughs> yeah, like, waiting uh, in the ring when like, they come uh, out like,
2: to fight? Excuse me, I'm not from Preston, Lancashire. You got it all wrong. I'm from Jimmy Nelson's. doesn't matter. You know, that kind of shit. Anyway, ding, ding, the ring comes out, and this guy's doing, he's got moves like, I'm telling you, he's all over the place. I'm going, come, come on, come I hit him once And knocked him out cold <laughs> Knocked him out cold I called him Coming round Dancing behind me I turned around and caught him right on the side of the jaw And he went down Like a bag of shit Oh and great he never even moved I thought I killed him Anyway The lights <laughs> went out The lights dimmed And it was a TV fight By the way Oh shit TV, It was a TV fight And he's down This champion And I'm going What the hell should get up Like I don't know why he's down Because I've hit people Yeah People before But they usually get up but he's not moving anyway. They give him the smell insults and anyway. They have the doctor in the ring. He's on a queer All Oh, good shit. They're throwing a towel around me and I'm out of there, right? So I'm gone. I'm going, well, how much am I getting? How much am I getting? It'll all come later, Bob. It'll all come later. It'll all come later. Right now, they're all embarrassed. Everybody's, you shouldn't have won this fight. <laughs> well, I get that, but I hit him and he went down. I thought he'd get back up. That's kind of thing. So anyway, they come down to the room and anyway, they give me an envelope and I remember opening it. And there was two five pound notes in there. That's $20, folks, I'm converting it to as close as I can get to the Canadian dollar today. And I go, I went through all that, fighting out What did he get? A thousand pounds. He got a thousand pounds and I get 10? Seems something wrong with the math of you. But that was oh, the fight wow. game. Yeah, yeah. And I told you, as I told you earlier, I'd jump on a, on, on a, a train, a bus, and fight anybody any time. Mm-hmm. you know in my journeyman life. yeah yeah so that was it and, uh, you know big fights little fights it, it it all adds up
1: how awesome would it be to get that footage from back then like to know oh, that, like someone goodness. had
2: it in their archives like it's oh just... listen the fairground fights i got to get back to that we had a jimmy nelson sports club tribute day and i got to tell you this these guys this family of beat the living crap out of my cousin and put him in hospital. <laughs> and they happen to show up drunk at this fairground fight. And I'm the monkey in the middle and they want to fight me.
1: Not in and the they're... ring, right? Like outside? like In a ring. Oh, in the ring. Outside
2: ring. Okay. We're getting all the kids. We're promoting boxing yeah. for little kids. Oh, okay. We're promoting the gym. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're all out there fight anybody three rounds. And then the real fight shows up. And then the real fight shows up and they go, I got this. That's the boy's... That put my cousin in hospital. Well, let's start with you first. <laughs> I beat the shit out of all three of them. Bring back some bitch, yeah. That's uh, great. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Oh wow. Oh, so, but, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Go no. Ahead, so, Tyler. so
1: you're doing. So you're you're doing all these fights, and then. Uh, where is this exactly? Is this in Australia or in the This is in the UK. In the UK. I did more UK. fighting
2: in the UK than I did in Australia. Okay.
1: so But you went to Australia at the tail end then? Or was it... Uh, there was,
2: that was the beginning of well, my... The very beginning of That's was where Australia. they told me I could okay. be a good boxer. Oh, okay. Australia told me I could be a good boxer. And when I got back to England, they told me I could be a better boxer. Yep. And a better boxer I became. And if you want to know, uh, and a lot of people ask... Uh, back in the day, they called me the Blonde Bomber. Uh, <laughs> that was my nickname, truth. And uh, why I got out of boxing was uh, my mum. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she didn't like it. Uh, my dad, who was a Navy, lifer in the Navy, covered in tattoos, tough as ba- bastard you ever want to meet, he would never come to a fight. No. No. Uh, D- they just. He, I don't know why. It just... It just there was a lot of bad press with... The fight game, as I mentioned. Really, the
1: There's, a stigma There's a stigma around big it, stigma. Tim.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom got out. I'll tell you, I was I was at... Uh, if probably people might remember this night uh, in uh, Nelson. There's a, a Nelson Lancashire, which was just close to Jimmy Nelson's sports club. We had a, a bar there called the El Tropicano. And all the bouncers on the club, I knew every one of them because they were all members of the, the gym, the boxing club. So anyway, I was down there one night having a great old time and uh, and we left in the car, me and my friend, Steve, and we had two ladies with us and and uh, I was going home anyway. I was just just going to drop them off. And uh, so we went back for some fish and chips to this girl's house who Steve <laughs> knew. But when I got back to the house, some guy hits my friend over the head with a piece of tube before. Holy shit. puts his head down the middle. <laughs> And, and there's blood all over the street, and I'm out there holding four fish and chips to go. <laughs> I was see, seeing this blood pouring out of the guy, and this guy's coming after me next. Oh, shit. So I drop the fish and chips, he comes in, and I hit him <laughs> four times. That's all I remember, itching him four times. And that was the suspension of my boxing license, because... Oh, no. I had to go and visit him in hospital. He lost his left eye. Holy fuck. <laughs> and, and I broke his jaw. And I also broke two ribs. Oh, I, only, wow. I only hit him four times, but that's because I was mad because he hit my friend with a, with a, with a two before and, and it was all messy and the police who arrested me, the two police that came and got me, were two guys I'd fought at the boy, police boys club not think, two weeks before. So everybody <laughs> knew me, so they took me in and. Anyway, my license was revoked. It was never canceled, folks, because I'd never allowed that to happen. I went and apologized in hospital to the guy, and finally he apologized to me. And the truth of the story, what happened was, one of the girls was his wife. Mm-hmm. And she took the rings off and gone out with my friend's girlfriend, not telling me that she was even married. The husband was waiting for when and went back for the fish and chips with, to have them at her place, and he was waiting, and he lost it on my buddy, Then he wanted to take it out on me, but... Nothing ever happened. It was nothing out of the ordinary. It was just a, a bad a bad night.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and look. and you lost the fish and
2: chips. What a fucking waste. Well, losing the fish <laughs> and chips is probably why I hit them, <laughs> hit them
1: twice more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one
1: for the fish, one for the chips, right? Right. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, when you are training like that and you're you're locked in you're dialed into that routine and then an average Joe tries to take a swing at you it's gonna be a whole other it's, scenario right
2: and that's why a lot of a lot of guys and we're trained i obviously discipline I talked about it earlier mm-hmm. we don't do that kind of thing and it was just a, a, a time and the moment and uh, it happened but normally that would never happen. I'd rather let somebody hit me while I walk away. But well, I
1: mean, a two by four to your buddy's head—that oh, too. escalates yeah. it very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it becomes yeah. a situation of yeah, now you're protecting someone. Absolutely, you're protecting I mean. someone's life. You're protecting your own um, yeah. safety, right?
2: That's so it's, exactly right. It's, and the fish and chips—don't forget the fish and, <laughs> very fish and chips. Very crucial. They were getting cold, especially all the time, in the
1: UK, right? Yeah, they're getting cold. They're very serious commodity. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so. So you, so you're over there. The one when you come over to Canada, what, what's, what uh, prompts your move to Canada? Where, what brought you here?
2: Well, I, a lady, of course. Uh, I met a lady, uh, Clint's mum actually, and, yes. and Deke was over there and uh, invited me back to uh, uh, come over to Canada for a visit. So I came here, and there's a story in itself, right? So his mum, my wife, ex-wife, finds me a flight for forty pounds. That's $80 to come to Canada. I'm over the moon because this is really cheap. (laughs) This was 1971. So I fly in, I land in New York, Niagara Falls, New York on this cattle plane, which had two seats on it and eight cows. <laughs> I land, I get off the plane, and I'm arrested on the tarmac and thrown into a padded cell. Oh fuck. And I knew this was home right away.
1: <laughs> and the American
2: said to me, Where are you going? I said, I'm going to Canada. And I was well, the guy said it's across there. You see that big escarpment there? That's Niagara Falls. Canada's on the other side. You're in the United States and you don't have a visa. Oh, well, can we not work around that? He said, No. I said, We're gonna put you on a bus to the Canadian border and they're going to arrest you as soon as you get there. (laughs) I said, okay, so I did. I got arrested at the Canadian border (laughs) and they said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I've come to visit a friend, but I'm awfully, I got a one way ticket. You don't have a return ticket? No, I don't. I came on that cattle plane. Anyway, long story short was uh, they stamped every page of my passport. Can I accept employment? And I came to Canada, uh, Canada for a visit. And honestly, I fell in love with the country back in a great place, great place. And I wanted to stay. But um, anyway, that's how I got settled in, in Canada. My welcome to Canada was getting arrested. <laughs> and then, then I got really interested in the fight game here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's Lansdowne Boxing Club. There's, um, there's the Cabbage Town Boxing Club and the Golden Triangle Club. And a little plug for the Darien Brothers, who used to run the Golden Triangle Club. Nice boys. And uh, yeah, there are uh, some good fighters. Some went and visited and saw the good fighters, and um, I got involved in fight night Canada. I used to tape up a few, of the lad tape them up before the fights and that. Yeah. But there was nothing there, honestly, at that time. And I'm not bragging at my level. Mm-hmm. I, I, There's nothing that you could go. I'm with, not going to mention names, but I fought a couple of guys from the gym, and uh, who were gym. Champions, yes, and and I, I could beat them both. So having said that, they were nice boys and uh, good fighters, and but Kenny, I, as I said, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that the fight game in Canada
1: it wasn't as evolved as what it was in, no, in the UK. No, at the
2: no, no, for that matter, in, now, anywhere in Europe, it was but now is it still you,
1: as good or is it still is it better now
2: like the Canadians, if
1: they caught up to the UK or is it still
2: it's it's still lagging in now. I'm not saying that to be critical yes yeah, I'm just no. saying because it's it, it's the resources people, that you have well it's how the, many let's yeah. face it how many how many youngsters do you see you see kids going in hockey you see kids going in soccer you see and with MMA that's come along and, too you're and, getting and the, where do you see yeah. kids going hey I want to get in the fight game
1: mm-hmm.
2: and because the fight game you get hurt and yeah. nobody wants to get hurt and everybody goes, oh, it doesn't hurt when you have gloves on. That's a crock of shit. Or, the,
1: or those kids are going into jujitsu and MMA and it's a little bit more of a, a popular thing I no right long now. I no longer
2: stay with that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the boxing game is a, is, is a program, and anybody will tell you this. If you're starting in the fight game and you're starting from the beginning, you, there is no end. It's mm-hmm. a disease. It's in your blood. Uh, even I, at my age now, 70, 71 <laughs> this year, I still shadow box. Why I don't know. Don't it's ask It's just me.
1: programmed into it's you. It's just
2: programmed into you, and you can't help it. And you've and your hands; you got to be. And if your hands are not as quick as they used to be, you got to ask yourself why. It's a strange feeling, but I yeah. guess it's like any athlete that goes through a program. So, yeah.
1: So you get into uh, into Canada. And you're kind of around the scene, but. Uh you're you're not as active in it. Are you still getting the itch to?
2: Well, here we go to shake I, someone's
1: tree a little bit. Like well, you run into some bar scraps. Tell me about some bar scraps, Bob. I know you've been in a couple. A couple
2: of bar scraps. Well, here's one. I, <laughs> I was on a fishing trip uh, with a bunch of guys from work, and, and they invited some guys along. And I'm going to name drop now in case you buy, in case you get into this, Ralph. If you're around, his name's Ralph Back from Berry, Ontario, Golden Gloves champion, heavyweight. Great fighter, Ralph. I'll stick with that to this day. <laughs> and not as good as me when I knocked you out cold and very sound in a bar fight. Remember that, Ralph? <laughs> That's a true story too. And I knocked a few golden gloves heads off in 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 while I was here in bar fights. In bar fights. Yeah, so. guys who go well. If you're a fighter man, I'm a fighter, and uh, and
1: they just want to take you outside. And yeah, I'll little... go. Yeah, yeah yeah. Oh really? Yeah, so yeah. it's like a almost like. Like, well, a more respectful street fight than what you would normally have then if you're squaring off against a guy that's... Golden glove
2: like... fighters, I'm one myself. <laughs> uh, I have a respect, dedication to the sport, and they don't look for trouble and don't fight. These golden glove fighters that I had, the only problem was they couldn't hold a drink and they wanted to fight. And they were do both, you know, tipsy.
1: So it was a little... Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's a little bit of a different... Uh... Yeah,
2: and and then, you know, once you get you're here now I'm 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 past my prime but I really 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 want to fight I'm in my 30s you still you have that edge still and you're and you're I still, still want to fight yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, you're still conditioned to go yeah yeah like mm-hmm. from like till i realizing and getting married when I was 25 26 and those years there there's a where boxing was in my blood I really really wanted to fight somebody yeah. and prove to myself and I thought this Canada would be a great place to actually show but the problem is, as I mentioned, it, the fighters, I can name them on my hand. And and DeWitt, I think he could have been a super, super fighter, but he had some bad luck in his family. I don't know if he knew. He lost his mother and father in, okay. in, a, in a period of few months, as I recall, oh, wow. which took him completely out of the fight game, which it would. But he yes. was probably one of the best I've ever seen. Um, Billy DeWitt, uh, you know, uh, the, um, well, I'm just trying to... Billy the Kid Irwin, as I mentioned earlier. Yes. Another great fighter. Um, for what it's worth, Sean O'Sullivan fought. Uh, Nicky Falano. good little fighter, uh, lost his weight. And I don't know if they lost their way in, in skill or the promotion aspect of them. Yeah. Couldn't take him any further. Mm-hmm. So,
1: there's, there's many factors. I mean, oh, absolutely, really, absolutely, like, absolutely. I mean, I do stand up comedy, and there's guys that are hilarious natural comedians, but if they don't have the background where they can promote themselves, they can't get to the next level, or, or they don't have the management that comes in. Like, there is just so many other levels to just being good. Yeah, and, um, and, it's, so not, so, and
2: I mean, it's not the pedigree uh, of the fighter that you can't get a sponsorship, it's just that the fight game in, in my era was at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of receiving monies in in an athletic sport. Mm -hmm. And that's where it was. That's how the boxing was. As I mentioned, in the 60s and 70s, boxing was nothing until the real promotion came onto the scene. Mm -hmm. And that's with uh, guys like... uh, Nobody even got paid millions of dollars or even heard of a purse. Even £5,000 or $5,000 was a massive purse back then. And then when the millions started into play and you look at... People like, uh, well, he runs his own promotion now, but I can't believe how much money uh, some of these uh, these uh, big fighters have actually put away. And you know, you can think of Mike Tyson, you can think of, um, yeah, I'm struggling. Oh yeah, so I'm okay. just trying to think of um, like the
1: big the big name fighters like you're talking like I mean Lennox Lewis all those type of well things. Lennox
2: Lewis he, he's a Kitchener boy out know, Kitchener Ontario yes. his big brother was Dave Westwell who's my cousin okay and uh, yeah Lennox Lewis who would ever predict the pedigree of that boy nice quiet boy out of Kitchener um, took his fight game back to the United Kingdom also I,
1: originally from there right is that I, what, he's, or is he originally from, from I think he,
2: I think he was... I don't know if he came over to Canada at an early age. He was born in Kitchener. But mum... Because he has the accent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's got a, a, a sudden mm-hmm. accent. He, he really does. So he could have been born there. Or the accent came when he went back. But he found a good trainer. And who would ever think that Lennox Lewis would beat Mike Tyson? Not in a million years. But he did. But he stuck with the fight game. He was probably the most disciplined fighter that uh, put his fight game to winning. Yeah. And that was his Irish trainer. I can't recall his name right now, but that man was a good, good trainer. But Lennox Lewis, going back to Lennox school. I only watched one fight of his, he got knocked out in 10, first 30 seconds he got knocked out cold of the fight. When he was young. Uh, uh, when he was young, yeah. yeah. And, and I remember that fight to this day and I went, well, jeez, oh, I, I can't wish this guy much luck if he's going to get knocked out with a nobody. Yeah. I just trying to think of the guy's name. He's an African guy. First round, I watched it on close circuit in Kitchener. All these fan base were there, and, oh, and no. Golden Triangle Club and everything there was yeah. was all good. And uh, <laughs> but anyway, these it, are just memories, right? Yeah. And then he became uh, the fight game. What he is? Um, bar fights. Tell Ooh. me some bar fights, Bobby. I got.
1: I know you have a few under your belt. <sighs>
2: yeah, I was in. Um, you'll have to tell me the name of this place because I haven't been around for a while down south, but. It's right across from the airport there on Carlingview Road. It's on the left-hand side. I can see it now. On Carlingview? Yeah, oh, Clint might remember. It's Arizona's. Arizona's,
1: yeah. That boy. You got it. There got it. Go. I got, it. That's
2: I got it. I haven't been in Arizona's. I don't even know if it's still there. I it, haven't I been around here is. for 20-odd years. It,
1: it was a few years ago. Yeah. Anyway. I
2: was waiting for my cousin's wife. Sat at the bar with one drink. I remember there was a Scottish man to my right... And an Englishman to my left. I don't know if they got talking and then they started arguing and they got talking. And then the Scotsman, I guess his son, arrived and they started taking the piss out of my accent. And then it became, uh, you know, and next thing I'm a, I'm a Saxon and uh, some like, things going on. I'm going, listen lads, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And next minute I remember... Swing first, swing came across. I knocked Dad out first. <laughs> and then the son, I knocked him out second. And I knocked the English guy out for just good luck. He, <laughs> he, he was just there. He was just, he was just in the way. I dropped all, I dropped all three of them the next minute. The bouncers were on me and, and the cops were there. And, few, and they had me out, handcuffed in a snowbank, shoes and socks off. Oh, but, fuck. So, but once they got to know who I was, and it, you know, like, listen, mate. And the, the, I remember the bar, bartender coming out, going, "Listen, this is exactly what happened. He never did anything. These just guys were just pissed and crazy, and, just going at you, just going at it." But having said that, I think I've had a bar fight from here to Cochrane. I had a good fight in Cochrane. In now Cochrane. Listen, in Cochrane, this a Ontario. Fight. Ontario. Man. Okay, that place is a it's a bloodbath. Yeah, that bar in Cochrane. I think it's called the Station Hotel. If you ever want to go and watch a good scrap, get your ass up to Cochrane. Oh yeah? It's du- a, like the double deuce in the roadhouse? It's a bloodhouse. It's a bloodhouse. I mean, <laughs> I got a room upstairs and they were still fighting after I went to bed. <laughs> 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 yeah. I had a good scrap in the miners' tavern in Cobalt, Ontario, <laughs> Many fans from Cobalt won that one too. But the whole bar turned on me so I had to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened in Cochrane? Oh, Cochran, i it's the same old thing, guys. And somebody hit me over there with a wine bottle for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't take much to wake you up, eh? Yeah, so you just turn around and just oh, yeah, start, start delivering, delivering the and, oh, business. Yeah, 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 you know, you want to get out alive. But I'd never seen it. I think the further north you get, it's, I'd, I think the... Of oxygen or something, but
1: and you go up to cobalt, then so you're in cobalt, and, and what happens there? So well, I'm
2: doing karaoke at the miners' tavern, eh? Yeah, and I can't sing with a shit,
1: right? <laughs> so, so I get up there, and you're I, on people's I, I translated
2: the words from "Puff the Magic Dragon." To puff the tragic faggot, which, so is... I'm, which I'm a big hit, and I win $300 on the night. Of course, <laughs> in Cobalt you win. In would. Cobalt. I won the whole thing, man. I couldn't believe it. People were still. I have more beers on my table than you can shake a stick at. But you always have to have some big bastard who doesn't like you yeah and this guy was a mammoth of a man you're had having a, too much fun he had a lumberjack jacket on he yeah. had hands on him man this guy was a gorilla
1: and everyone called him Puff the Magic Dragon and, <laughs> <laughs> <tragic> <laughs> but anyway
2: he come up I go sorry I can't hear you next minute he hit me oh, and, shit. <laughs> and knocked me down and I got up and I went nah I can't go for this buddy I'm not in the mood I've had too much to drink but he'd come at me, and I remember it. he had had a few to drink. And I just remember coming over the top, and I went straight underneath him and got him right in the hooli-goolies, man. I was like my fist was right there as hard. And i never seen a grown man scream and go down so fast <laughs> in my life. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. I used, have, uh, I used to have my groupie fans, but honestly, I do not ever, ever, ever look for fights. Of course. And... and, and and I think anybody who knows me, you're always having you, a good time, I'm man. I'm gentle. I've gentle never as seen
1: a you, I've never seen you looking for trouble. You're no, always no, no. a good time. No, no, no. When
2: I coached, uh, you know, I got involved in coaching yeah. hockey, and I, and I still coach soccer to this day. And I wish I could coach a, a gymnasium with uh, young up and coming fighters, but. I, I I I've always worked with children. I, I'm a gentle person, and I, I that's one of my characters. I think that makes me a good person. Is that uh, that I love working with children? And uh, you know, when I was involved in Nova yep. hockey, I mean, <laughs> what guy can be a freaking coach and doesn't even skate? You must know something. <laughs> but, but generally speaking, I did have my Ontario certification. It's a leadership
1: uh, quality, uh, though, and uh, and and getting the best out of getting the best out of Absolutely. young people, right? You. Uh, you have a mentorship ability that that other people don't necessarily have, and you can you can have all the skills in the world, but can you relate to a kid on a on a level where they're going to listen to you? You know what I mean? And and you well, have that. So I
2: think I think why I win with children to this day is because I can tell them odd luck stories, my own odd luck stories, mm-hmm. and you know you don't have to give up because you failed or you didn't fail. There's always a reason. Uh, yeah of course, of course, I would have liked to have been a champion under a different circumstance. I might have been a, a champion. A lot of people respect me in the fight game, who have known me in the fight game. People have with within the fight game uh all know that i'm a good person and i'm I'm modest uh, but a good fighter mm-hmm. I'd put myself down as a good fighter, but relating back to children you're exactly right uh Tyler when, in kids there's a quality there. And if you can do something with them, and I think some of these gymnasiums that you touched on earlier in the States, where these kids have rough the street and have been drugs and into this and into this, the rehabilitation factor is that if you can share stories with these kids, the hardships that you've been through, mm-hmm. so you're not just some pussycat who comes along and That's right. dictates from a Bible what these kids should be doing. They won't respect it. They won't respect yeah. shit. And, and this is why I got a lot of, and I, and I think my cousin, who was the big brother for uh, Lennox Lewis, uh, you know, he spent a lot of time with Lennox. He was a cop at the time, and he spent a lot of time with Lennox, and if you knew anything about Lennox Lewis, he was a perfect gentleman, mm-hmm. uh, Anytime off and on to, uh, with media. I mean, he was never a dance around bragger how good he was, mm-hmm. never ever boasted about he would going to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. never. So, so he's a
1: very humble, humble fighter. Yeah, 100%. humble yeah.
2: fighters, and a lot of fight, a lot of fighters are humble. I mean Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, yeah, he grins and, and smirk and uh, put some faces on. But
1: you need to have a little bit of an edge to ride that confidence you know. in yourself, right? It's it's a it's a real uh, management thing, managing an ego when you are needed to have the edge too. Which is, that, that's
2: a challenge. It's a challenge, absolutely.
1: So, um, I got a question for you. We, we you know, I met you in Nobleton, where we are right now. One of the local watering holes uh, we used to start drinking at when your son and I started uh, partying. Salty Dog Roadhouse. Do you ever pop anyone at the dog? I did. Tell me about the Salty oh, Dog. That pop. was
2: when Eddie Shaq used to drink there. Eddie Shaq used to play for the Maple Leafs, retired, and he bought a golf course away from there. <laughs> across the way from... The salty Dog. Yeah, I had a couple of clearing brawls in the Salty. Um, <laughs> not through any fault of my own. Again, it was karaoke <laughs> Never. Night. I used yeah. to always go down, look for, just sit down. Sometimes Eddie would come in and uh, just trying to think of the other Maple Leaf who bought the Doctor's House in Kleinberg. What was his name?
1: Ooh, who did buy the Doctor's House? Clint might remember. We'll Pat Boutet. Pat Boutet. okay. Pat
2: yeah. he worked at that. So yep. Pat Boutet had always come into the... Uh, Seventies Leafs. The, into the Salty Dog and... And of course, you know, it's a women's pick-up place, right? The girls come in, the guys come in. And I, honestly, I used to go down there and listen. I used to get a like, real giggle out of listening to karaoke. Yeah, i go down with Big Bob Smith, remember, Bob? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We'd go and sit down and listen to karaoke and have a few pints. But there's always somebody, always somebody. I don't know what it is, guys. It, places like that are popular should always have a doorman or somebody to look after the place because if I start up, and you see somebody who's getting a whipping for no reason at all, I can't, I can't witness that. I, there's something in me that goes, that's got to stop. Yes. So that's when I used to get involved and then, you know, it's usually fast and furious and it's over with, within minutes because I just ask who's the best little the lot of you, grab them by the neck, take him out in the yard, give them a pound in, come back in, finish my drink. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we've had a couple of clearing fights in the dog in my time, yeah.
1: Do you ever, were you, I, f- I remember, and, and if I'm wrong, just correct me, but I remember you telling me about a guy showing you a hunting knife there. He,
2: showed, one guy showed me a gun one night. a gun? A, a gun, yeah. And he had it strapped to him, and he, I said, does that make you a big man? And he said, yeah, and a lot bigger than you. So I dropped him too. <laughs> gun and all. I mean, do you, you do, just got to eat them a little harder when they're carrying a gun. Yeah, when you a, see the gun. A, a knife, you give him a sh- good shot, if yeah. you're carrying the gun, you got to be fast and harder.
1: F- no, you can tell me if this is folklore or not. Did you put a guy's head through the popcorn machine at the dog? I did. Can you tell me the
2: story? I did. I, I need did. the story I'm, I'm from surprised. the start. I, who told you this one? You did. You no, know, it was embarrassing because I think my kids were with me. <laughs> you have to tell me this. Well, they had one of those bloody great big old-fashioned popcorn machines <laughs> not like the ones that's, this thing was massive i hadn't seen one like this for years and of course the dog you yeah. just go in and you go it's all free and you sit up at the bar you grab your beer and it's a rough hole a salty dog they closed it down it was a rough hole i mean even the cops said he'd go in there and it just got rougher and rougher and rougher but and there's a guy who walked in there i, I can't remember, i can't be rude of course but he he said something really really rude to this waitress and i went who the hell is this cooking and he said to me, who are you looking at? I said, listen, man, I'm just here with my family. I have some chicken wings. <laughs> you Kids. had both the boys? Yeah, both boys were there. How old are they? Like like six and four. I yeah, guess. young uh, enough that you yeah, don't yeah.
1: really want to get yeah, them. was like
2: lunch, chicken wings. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, uh, uh, too bad they're gone because they were the best wings in... Uh, yeah. Uh, they were. They were the best the, wings, the were salty they? Salty dogs? was taking best. guys after hockey for wings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were drinking there when we were 15. Yeah, anyway, this guy, did <laughs> just another one again what are you looking at I said well I'm not looking at you pal I'm here having wings well just mind your own business I said well you shouldn't talk to a lady like that and he said what are you going to do about it I said well what are you I just stood up and I was just wiping in the mouth he took a swing at me missed and I hit him I caught him real good again these good shots are in his head when hit this popcorn, it reminds me of another story about this black belt. i got to tell you this story. Yeah, too. yeah. And his head hit the popcorn <laughs> machine and went straight through. And all the lights started coming on. And all the popcorns shoot all over the bar, man. it's going everywhere. And go, this guy's stuck inside the popcorn machine. It must have been hot in there, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, he burned burn all his face. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. then I was invited to a party. Uh, a real nice guy, uh and, uh, yeah, a real nice guy. Was, he loved the fight game. And he, he, his dad had done some boxing and invited me over to his house in Ottawa and we were having a party. And this guy, I was re- re- reading down in a beer, and this guy kicks me right in the mouth. <laughs> and, you know, like in this great big room, all these girls and everything, I'm going, uh, do I know you? You know, I'm looking, I'm stunned like a mouse bleed. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know you? And he goes, you're about to. I hear you're good with your fists. Well, I'm a blue, 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 black. I said, brown belt, yellow belt, black shit. I don't give a crap. And I hit him. And I remember his head went right through the drywall. (laughs) When you hit somebody hard, and the head actually sinks through the drywall and kind of goes through it, you know it's a good shot, right? Oh, yeah. So he bounced back after his head stuck there for a few seconds and he slid down the wall <laughs> and his friends put him on his couch and laid him there until the ambulance came. Oh, fuck. anyway, the next day I'm with John Wiley, an ex-Jamaican boxer, John Wiley. He uh, actually boxed in Toronto and we were down at this club and he comes in with this gang. To fight me, this guy comes back, with, comes his back with his crew, which with his for Taekwondo gang or whatever black belt guys, yeah, yeah. and they Cobra come in. Kai. Oh, that was a beautiful fight. There was eleven of us and about fifteen of them, and we just wiped the floor with them. It was a good fight. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got uh, got arrested that night. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but when they come down to fight you, how do they start it up? Like, what do they say? Well, they came like, looking for me at this yep.
2: club. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. In in Ottawa. I can't remember the, the name. nightclub then? The nightclub, yeah. Oh, okay, and you had
1: all your guys there with the yeah, oh Yeah, all my Fight. god all oh, my guys. Yeah. You guys happen to all be at the bar? Uh, yeah, all, Oh uh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Good thing you had them there, right? Like just a good uh good scrap
2: wrecking. Well, of crew. course John Wiley was Grease Lightning, but
1: it would have been amazing too, seeing guys that are all trained fighting each other, like a, like a multiple, like you know, like a, like a, a street fight with like all trained fighters throwing yeah, a. The, that would
2: have been wicked. But you got guys who are coming in who, who, who you know who go couple hangers you on. Know, you know as well as I do that you're not going to have uh, Taekwondo or any kind of fighter because they're brought up in the same principles as discipline. Mm-hmm. So this guy is just on um, a vengeance. Because he got beat up by me, and he goes to the gym, picks up a few guys who were probably yeah. training. Couple of in, boys. Yeah, and some big lads who want to come in for a scrap. Little did he know that I'd be with some group of boxing yeah, guys, Yeah, you get a right? bunch of
1: weapons with you Yeah, too. I had uh, ha,
2: ha, ha. Rick Dugan, he was a boxer from Halifax, who as mentioned, John Wiley. Oh nice. And uh, there's uh, a couple of other guys who were, you know, just fighting guys, so this yeah. was a breeze for us, you know.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, oh, that's so funny, and uh, I don't know, man. Like that, this is like this has been a great episode, Bob. Well,
2: I have one thing to say, and I'm yes. going to put it in because every fighter likes to finish on a positive note. Absolutely, I never ever got knocked out.
1: There you go, <laughs> in amateur fighting
2: and in professional fighting, I never got knocked out, and that is a great, great feeling for a boxer. Uh, just to have that, yeah, confidence and knowing I've been hit. I've seen stars. But never went down.
1: There you go. So. Well, listen, guys. This has been uh, Fight Stories with Bob Rigby. Bob, you got something? Anything you want to plug? You got uh, your YouTube thing you're,
2: you're pumping up? Oh, my... Uh, your fishing show? Oh, my fishing show. You like, got to check out listen, I gotta show. T- I got to tell you this, guys, because I have fishers <laughs> come and visit me. I live so far north, and I have favorite lakes. I go fishing, and now people are starting to come up and visit me. I take them out fishing. So I've created my own walleye bob show and it's all imaginary trust me but every time, <laughs> all these people that come up go wow man you've got to do it you've got to do it because just in the last couple of weeks I had people up and they just caught fish until they you know, yeah, yeah. they're catching fish and again it's where I live knowing the people knowing the trappers knowing mm-hmm. the guides and and they put me on to different places to go and it's took me 14 years to figure it all out but some real good fishing up where I am so everyone to book ashore i've got uh, cabins available for rental there you go and uh come on up and uh have a wilderness experience
1: bob rigby one With of my fighter one of my favorite guys in the world thank you so slice, much for being part of it slice. bob it's awesome anytime you want to come on you come up open, and see me man we will come up and see you i gotta bring john uh, moses my co-host up to uh visit absolutely you. come awesome. on up and see me thank you very a- a much pleasure silent right all good
2: on. man